and take you down, cuz. Uh, I got the money and the power. Yeah. Once you get a little, they just wanna take you down, cuz. We've been going hard for two. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. I have a really special guest today, Matt Waldman. You can find him on Twitter, at Matt Waldman. I'm sure you already follow him already, though. The GOAT when it comes to Draft Twitter. He's got his rookie scouting portfolio. Uh, I've looked through it before. It's it's absolutely incredible. Uh, Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Elliot. It's, I've been looking forward to getting a chance to talk with you. You do good work. I really appreciate that, Matt. So I think we're going we're gonna to talk about Josh Rosen today, and he might be the most interesting quarterback in this draft let's start by talking about his mechanics because he he looks like been told exactly what to do from five and been doing it over and over again yeah and i think that that stems from probably his tennis background you see the fact that he was a fairly highly ranked child tennis player um who you know was taught from an early age and when you get that kind of early age instruction and you take to it well in another sport. I think that it makes it a little bit easier when you transition to a new sport, what that means in terms of developing technique and the work that's involved. And 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 it shows that if he did so well in tennis to be able to perfect a serve, to be able to understand the techniques of striking a ball and, and being able to use his feet to be able to use feet and hips to derive power through that strike. And there's all these different motions that may seem different than what quarterbacking is about. But we often talk about how the best athletes often are the ones who've done multiple sports who are, you know, great basketball players or how Tom Brady was on the boxing team at Michigan, you know, and you can find how these different athletic movements not only help you become a little bit more flexible and learning different things, but if you've if you're good at another sport on that level, it shows that you've been able to embrace that work ethic involved to create those types of skills that become embedded. And when you look at Josh Rosen, you see the footwork is there in, in that his drops are very smooth. He's good at being able to accelerate his drops when he needs to. He can do the one, three, five, and seven-step drop. He does the, the Matt Ryan type of play actions that we look at where he can make the three-step, the quick three-step drop with the back turned and then fire to the backside. And because of that, that setup allows him then to have a balanced release where it's quick, it's fluid. And then when you look at the upper body, you can see that the arm motion isn't all over the place. It's fairly tight, you know, in terms of that the ball comes up, the elbows high, you know, and that when he comes over the top, his motion is very balanced. So he's not leaning to a side. So it allows him to deliver the ball with a lot of control. I mean, that's an excellent breakdown of exactly the way the way it goes. Um, I think that's a really good and interesting point about playing multiple sports. You've, I've heard a lot of athletes talk about whether it's basketball, boxing. Most of the time you don't hear tennis, but tennis in the, in this case, um, how those different sports translate and help them better be better at this sport. And it's interesting because right now, basically, the drive in, with kids is just focus on one sport. And I think it's really interesting when you hear athletes talk about how much playing multiple sports really helps them. Yeah, and I think that, that that's a great point that you raised for us to talk about because I, I think that that's a shame that, that it's the drive is to be a specialist because it doesn't give you perspective on how to learn 
you know, learning how to learn is a, is one of the most important traits that anybody should have in life. And especially at a position like quarterback, how can you, you know, quarterback, they always say he's the CEO. And I always kind of push back and say, he's more of like a, a middle manager who, who manages like the ground floor of what's going on in your operation, which means that basically he's got to have a diverse set of skills to lead people. Cause he's not only is he leading the, you know, the people on the entry level of the job and who were doing the actual work on the on the front lines, but he's also leading upward and dealing with the the supervisors or the or the, the higher end managers who make broader decisions about what the game plan is going to be about. And you have to be someone who at the same time works well with others, but's not afraid to push back on bad ideas and be able to bring what you know, the feedback of your teammates and, you, you know, to be into there and, and look at what the defense is doing and say, look, I know you want us to do this, but this makes no sense. So when you look at like Tom Brady on his TV show, and I saw somebody on Twitter the other day commenting on Tom Brady, sending like a, a tape recorded memo to Josh Daniel McDaniels about a, a play saying where Gronk could have actually worked up field on this type of a play. And the guy was just gushing about Tom Brady doing that. And, you know, maybe that is unusual, but it shouldn't be. That's, that's basically what good management is, is kind of managing upwards. So when you look at a guy like Josh Rosen, when you bring all these very, when you learn certain types of skills that are divergent from just football, you become a richer person. You develop your perspective. You widen your horizons. It's the same reason people say you should travel and see the world so that when you look at the United States, you, you can look at the rest of the world and see, have enough perspective to go, here are things that work. Here are things that don't work. Here are things that are interesting. And to be open, more open-minded on a level so that you can actually embrace things that are really positive and helpful, not only to your own life, but to other people and being a quarterback, being a leader. And when you can develop that kind of broader perspective, it helps you connect with more people and get the job done. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And I love the bit about traveling. That's the thing my girlfriend always says is that we got to travel more so we can kind of better understand ourselves and where we live and all that stuff. So I agree with you about middle management as opposed to CEO because CEO only deals with a couple people when you're the quarterback you got to know how to deal with the coaching the media the players everybody's from a different background so i think that's really interesting and you know josh rosen's personality is something that's really been highly debated with these quotes like he wants to make money playing football which i mean i would like to make money playing football too but <laughs> um he's got a better shot than i do at that one i don't really have any character concerns with rosen is that something that troubles you at all no not at all but i think that what happens is you know, the NFL is an insulated environment. There are people who, when you really think about it, haven't traveled much when you metaphorically say that. I mean, and I've worked in organizations like this where what, ha and there are a lot of them all over the world and in our country, a great deal where say you're like a paper company who, you know, they were a mom and pop operation and they grew into being a worldwide organization, but their infrastructure of their office is basically the same people who worked in the mills and, you know, maybe got paid to go through school to get an engineering degree. And then they learned some different skills where, you know, now they've, you know, they've learned some skills to be able to do another job and they've advanced to the point where a lot of them are now executives, you know, and they're in the C-suite. And then maybe they hired somebody outside to be a CEO of that organization to come in 
who doesn't know the industry quite as well, or maybe came in from the same industry at another company. And this company, what ends up happening is that they become, they, they have an arrogance about them on a level, because, deservedly so, because they grew up from nothing to become this big thing. And the people who are all in these decision-making roles all started on the ground floor. You know, they're all, the NFL is kind of that when you think of George Hallis and Al Davis and, you know, and the, you know, Chuck Knoll and Don Shula and, you know, being the lineman who'd run in and out for Paul Brown on plays, you know, and this league has grown up in this way historically. So what happens is they think no one understands it like we do. There's nobody else competing with us on this level. So how does anyone from the outside under understand anything coming in from the inside so what happens is that they often have developed types of what they want or they think a process that they have works so, so then then what ends up happening is that someone may come in and go you know you're missing out a lot on some players because you've seen what has worked for you in the past 30 years and you think it's always going to work and you've missed out on some of these guys and they go, but yeah, you know, we have a type for what we're looking for from a quarterback. He should look like this, act like that. And they should just be kind of like, I call them Q bots, you know, and they, and they should just be guys who, who basically are, give you the most inane, banal answers possible to any type of question in the media. They have to act like grandfathers by the time they're 23 you know in terms of their outlook in, in in life and that means that they should know to say all the right things be as you know silent as possible about other things and if they goof around or do anything they should know how to hide it so that it's not a big deal and they can you know they don't catch any flack and I think when you look at Rosen, he's just a, you know, he grew up in, again, a more open-minded, you know, family that is well-educated, that probably taught him how to learn and speak his mind and to, to be an authentic human being. You know, I think about, I mean, listen, I mean, I'm, you know, when we're talking about this, all I'm trying to do is relate real life things to relate that to what's going on in the situation. What ends up happening in these organizations is that they overanalyze information and oftentimes they armchair psychoanalyze players in a way that you know i've been told this by people who are who've been in these rooms and they say what some teams will have scouts go out and investigate the the off-field behavior of players and they'll find these little points that are interesting but then the owners and the gms and the, and the scouting directors let these scouts editorialize or I would say armchair psychoanalyze what they think happened. And when you read their reports, there's a lot of armchair psychoanalysis about these guys. And so when you look at these things, like he only wants to be in there for the money, he brought a hot tub into his room. He, when he was in high school, he had, he posts things in sexually suggestive ways in people's yards. I can't even tell you about, I mean, I have a, I remember a huge campaign sign that I stole that was like a billboard with my friends and put it in a friend's yard, you know, that would have probably gotten me arrested for doing things like that. Yeah, but that kid, determined love, the future. When I was a kid, I used to love trying to steal the hubcaps off people's cars. I was like nine years old. I didn't know what to do with them. I was just nine years old being an idiot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And NFL talent evaluators would be like, no, he shows lack of judgment. And yeah. I agree with you. I think Josh Rosen, listen, he's a kid. He, he's, he's a kid that enjoys his life. Um, yeah. It's tough to have 23-year-old grandpas. I mean, especially when he's 20 years old. Like, he's about yeah. to turn 21 years old. He's going to make some dumb decisions. I don't think any of them are long-term issues. The thing I like most about Rosen is, is his accuracy. 
Um, we, we talked about his mechanics, and I think it leads to incredibly accurate passes. I've heard some questions about his downfield accuracy, but I don't see that at all. I think he can drop the ball in a bucket. When he, when he throws short and intermediate throws, he, he hits the right shoulder, which I think is incredibly important because it allows, you know, five to seven yard passes to go for 20 yards. I mean, you see a lot of big plays in UCLA where the guy's making a big play after the catch. And I think a lot of that has to do with Rosen's accuracy, which is incredibly encouraging for me. Do you have any thoughts on his accuracy? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the way that you brought up hitting the right shoulder is is a fantastic point because it's something I've noted as well a good bit. And it's funny, there's a big debate among people who even have been in the NFL, like Mike Pritchard, former wide receiver in the NFL, um, who was a first-round pick in the, for the Atlanta Falcons, played with John Elway in Denver, and he's currently a host with my buddy Cecil Lammy um, on their radio show every day in Denver, and also played with Warren Moon in Seattle. And he talked about how incredible – we were at the Senior Bowl together last week, and I was – after the show we did, I asked him about any John Elway stories and how in practice John Elway would target him on a certain shoulder, and he didn't realize that that's what Elway was trying to tell him to go downfield, and he thought that was just incredible. And I and I thought to myself, you know, I see quarterbacks do that still, you know, but I said, how often do you think that's an accident as much as it is intention? And and he was more of the mindset. I think it's more often an accident than it is intention, even though it should be intentional. But I'm. I'm still a. I disagree. I mean, I you know, I'm, you know, he's a he's a former Pro Bowl player and a, and a terrific guy that Mike Holmgren brought in to say you're my Jerry Rice in Seattle. That's what you're going to be before he lacerated his kidney. You, you know, you see when you see it over and over again with a player and with Rosen, you see it over and over again that behavior and it's at the right time where you can see the leverage of the defender, you can see where the ball's being placed, and when the receiver gets the message and usually does, he gets yards after the catch and he gets first downs on plays that shouldn't didn't look like they should be first downs based on just why he's targeting him at that depth. I love that about Rosen. I think that when you when you talk about his deep accuracy, I just did a video on him in my my YouTube shows, the RSP Film Room, where I showed, I think, about seven or eight different vertical throws. And they range from about 46 yards to 58 yards from the pitch point vertic- with velocity, and with pinpoint accuracy, and to me, pinpoint accuracy is either away from the coverage so that only where the receiver can make the play, even if he has to make an adjustment to do so, or more often it, when he's running down the field and can catch the ball in stride and not have to leave his feet or you know make an odd adjustment where he's going to likely end up on the ground. And it's effortless. I don't know how, I mean, like I look at his throws and people talk about Sam Brat, um, excuse me, Sam Darnold's arm or Josh Allen's arm. And I still have more Josh Allen to watch, but you know, when I look for me, arm strength's more important when you have control and consistency above 40 yards or opposite hash throws in the, you know, over 15 yards. And when you look at Josh Rosen's, you know, mechanics, it's so smooth and it's so efficient he gets every ounce of velocity out of his throws, and you can see, you know, I mean, 58-yard throws in stride. And then when there's there's a game, the USC game, you go watch the USC game this year, and there's a there's a deep crosser, I think about 46 yards, that he throws to Jordan Lasley, and the officials call an illegal man downfield uh, on UCLA. And on the very next play, he throws the exact same route and hits him in stride for 46 again. It's just like, oh, I can do that again. That's not a big deal. It's just like throwing a, you know, a short, you know, a shallow route to a running back. You know, I mean, it was, 
he has that down. He, he is very accurate in the vertical game. I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, and, you know, if it is an accident, then he makes a lot of accidents. So, I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, happy accidents are great, man. <laughs> I, I think there's questions on Josh Rosen now. I think when we get to combine and pro day and he gets to do all this stuff in shorts, I mean, he's going to look incredible um in shorts throwing the football for all the reasons we talked about with his mechanics with his accuracy all that stuff one thing i was concerned about some with his 2016 tape and i thought he improved in 2017 was he stayed on his first read a really long time and took some time to get off of it which led to him taking sacks or forcing a ball that he shouldn't throw how do you feel about rosen going through his progression yeah i mean i think that this is where the decision making aspect of josh rosen has some real plus minuses kind of he's got a wide range of outcomes there and i think that that just that there's a couple things with that is you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go into what i see on the field and then i may veer into a little bit of narrative based on just trying to piece things together and do my own version i think the first thing is yeah he 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 can definitely read multiple he goes through multiple progressions a lot so you know that he can read the field high low you know sideline to sideline. I think he's fantastic at manipulating underneath defenders when he's in the pocket. Like, you know, one of the things that he does really well is to to know that he wants to hit that tight end on the hook route in the middle of the field. And he will, like Peyton Manning or Drew Brees can do very well, he will look off the the safety or a, or a slot corner or another linebacker to one side of the field really long from the get-go like he's just staring down that first read and then within a split second he will be sudden in the way that he snaps back and hits that wide open hook route because he he's drawn that defender away so he's excellent at that um but yeah i think that sometimes when he gets in his mind that he needs to be aggressive like for whatever reason that he thinks he needs to be aggressive he will hang on to that first read thinking that guy's going to come free. He's going to come free. Or what most concerns me, and I've seen this since his freshman year, and I, I went. I actually got a chance to go to a UCLA game and see them against BYU, watching him just repeatedly in red zone situations or when they're a little bit behind and there's a shot for him to really make a big play and he feels like he needs one. He puts too much pressure on doing it himself. And he'll, when he breaks the pocket, he'll go outside and he'll think instead of throwing the ball away, he will throw it right back across the grain into the middle of the field and think that he's going to somehow do that. Or he's going to squeeze the ball into the red zone into an impossibly tight spot where pressure's coming and maybe he's going to take a hit and it's going to alter his mechanics and he's going to wind up with a less accurate throw where it needs to be pinpoint and it can't be and it's already a tight window throw. And I think that when you look at that with him, it's kind of, I, I talked about it on Twitter yesterday. It's if he were a boxer and the, and the mentality, if Josh Rosen were a boxer, I'd say he's like this extremely awesome ring technician with a variety of punches that he can throw. And he actually has a couple of punches with really good power, like underrated power in a way that, you think, oh, he's just going to outpoint me, but then next thing you know, he catches you perfectly, and you're on the mat. Um, when you look at when you look at him, the problem is is that he when he gets into a fight where he's a little behind, or it's you know, or the situation where he gets caught into a brawl or into a flurry, then he wants to brawl, 
and he's not a brawler. He's <laughs> he wins as a technician, and so he finally he starts to get this bravado like I'm a brawler, and he and he ends up trying to throw knockout punches in situations where he was winning. He just needed to like back away, start do, use that ring general, you know, ring strategist that he strategy that he's really good at, and not abandon that. And what he'll end up doing is brawling and leave his chin exposed, and he ends up kissing the the canvas on a play or two, and that's what happens to him all too frequently, even this year. Yeah, the Memphis game is another great example of that, where he rolls to the right and decides to throw twenty yards down the field across the middle of the field, incredibly late, and it ends up as a pick six. The Texas A and M game. Well, this year too, but when they were trailing and he throws that pass that ends up as a 50-yard touchdown pass and looks great in the box score, it goes right through the safety's hands. The the game against Texas A&M to start his sophomore year, I think that might be one of his worst games. He was feeling that pressure a lot and he would like he was the one play he was literally getting wrapped up and tossed to the ground and decided to just throw the ball up in the air. So like him under pressure is the other thing that concerns me because I think you're absolutely right with his progressions. You sh- he shows the ability to do it. Like consistently yeah. too. It's 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 just that he has these plays where he he decides what he wants to do, or he decides, you know what, I need a big play right now. I have the open underneath re- receiver, but I'm just gonna go downfield. I know there was a play against Washington. I think they were trailing by like ten points. He's rolls out to the left, and he's got about twenty yards in front of him just to run. He needs eight yards, like third and eight, and he throws the ball like twenty five yards downfield right to the defender. So so that worries me some. And that's almost like a mindset, right? Like that's that's one of those things that can be tough to get out of people. It's something that is going to help them at times and really going to hurt them in other times. Um, and the NFL, typically, there there's so many close games, and if he's going to really force things when they're trailing, it could lead to a lot less comeback victories and those stats that people love to point to and how he how he's doing under five minutes when they're down one to seven points. You know what I mean? Like whatever whatever number you want to use. I think that's that's an area where I have a little bit of concern with Rosen. Yeah, and when we and I, I'll add this now now that we've kind of talked about the on field behavior, this is where like I would speculate some things. And I don't even know if I I'll say this. I'm not sure I believe some of the things I'm going to say, but I think they're things that you you throw out there and you muse about and you if you're an NFL team, you hope you have someone who has You've hired someone who's a consultant who has a, a better understanding and can be helpful in terms of any taped interviews they do with him and they ask him questions and work with him to kind of get a feel for what his personality is really about. And then they can use that to kind of do a little bit more analysis of how that affects him on the field. That's how I would look at it. I would be like, okay, Josh, we're going to interview you. You know, We're going to have you with the team visit. We're going to interview you. We're taping this you know, whatever. And then I would have bring someone in who has, you know, probably an industrial psychology background, you know, who can, you know, look at some of these things and let us know about how it is. But if I were to, you know, just all I have is interviewing and management experience of a variety of cross section of people. And while that may help ask some questions, it doesn't help give answers. So when I look at this, I think about Josh Rosen, I go, okay, you see this kid, this picture of this kid from an affluent family, you know, in, you know, where he's, you know, a tenant, you know, a tennis player and he, you know, with the shaggy hair and kind of the, you know, and you, and you look at this kid who's kind of grew up on this, you know, you could almost say he's on the country club set, you know, and, and when you want to play football and you're kind of this Southern California country club set kid and you're, and you're facing top competition, you know, you may find that 
the way that where you came from, you may overcompensate sometimes for where you came from thinking that you have to prove yourself on a certain level. And you look at this guy who's very intellectual, who's, you know, very refined technique wise, who's been given every opportunity in terms of money to, to get the skills as fast as possible. And when he went to Stanford, you know, when he wa- when he, he wanted to go to Stanford, that's where he wanted to go more than anywhere. And, you know, the story was, and it's, you can find this in a variety of outlets is that he said something so off putting on his final visit where they were going to award him a scholarship that the coaches were like, nah, forget it. We don't want him." They asked him about that. And he said, yeah, that's true. That's exactly what happened. And I was, you know, and that's where I really wanted to go. And, you know, I had to learn my lesson from that. The run-ins with that Trent Dilfer and the Elite 11, the Elite 11, those are, and a lot of it was over a play where he wanted to be really aggressive that they were whiteboarding and talking about. And Dilfer was like, nah, that's not really the right way to go about doing it. And they got into a heated argument because Rosen was arrogant about it and, and kind of acted like an immature kid. And, more of a know-it-all in that sense and you know being smarter being the smartest guy in the room is something that seems to be something they've a lot of people say was very important to him people have lasting impressions when things don't go well and they're made to look bad or as adults and a kid makes them look bad or behaves in a bad way and they can have lasting impressions with that and i think josh rosen probably early on was that know-it-all who felt like that he had to be the smartest guy in the room and sometimes the smartest people in the room or the best people in the room aren't necessarily the smartest they're the wisest uh, to me any day of the week i would take wisdom over intelligence you know as an attribute um ju- you know i mean it's a, an extreme example but i always loved the movie forrest gump because forrest gump was not an intelligent man, but he might have been one of the wisest people you would ever meet. When you really think about his life and how it progressed, <laughs> you, you know, it was the extreme version of all wisdom, no intelligence, but how it worked out. And I mean, I know that it's like, you know, who in theory, that's great in theory and in fiction, but not in reality. But that's just, it just gives you an, an example of that. If you, there's so many intelligent people who fail and do horrible things and misuse things things and i think rosen has gained some wisdom over these years and that's what you're going to want to gauge from him but i think that part of it is that he's this kind of he knows he's this lucky entitled kid who's had a lot of opportunities that that's of privilege that a lot of people that who are his peers have not and he feels like he has to prove that he can deliver the knockout blow that he can that he can overpower people that it's not just all cerebral and i think that if he can learn that that's okay to play to your strengths don't try and shore up a weakness or overcompensate for something that isn't your game be your game he shows evidence of being able to really learn that then he's going to be a terrific quarterback if he doesn't he may be that guy that you know, I, somebody called it the disaster gene on Twitter as I was talking about this <laughs> yesterday. And he said, you know, you can debate who whether he's whether he's right that Matt Ryan or Philip Rivers have the disaster gene in, in, in them. But Eli Manning certainly is a guy who who's had his share of the disaster gene it does leave you to wonder if Rosen's overcompensation may feed into that or whether he'll grow out of it i think it all goes back to his ability to learn and ability to accept criticism and we talked 
a little bit earlier about how the NFL is kind of like a good old boys league where they, these guys have a very specific mindset of what they want from their quarterback. So I think he's going to come off certain teams' boards probably or drop yeah. down because of it. So before I let you get out of here, do you have any? Uh, do you have a player comparison for him? I, I, I know those can be a little silly, but pe- that really helps people kind of understand him. And then do you have an ideal landing spot for him? Uh, the player comparison is easier for me, even though, like you said, they are very flawed. And to me, comparisons are more about style than they are about talent. And and there are so many different variables because really think about your favorite musicians. And and the best way I put it is like this. You think about Prince, like Prince is one of my favorite musicians. And you know, you think of all the horn section type of work, the the kind of funk the rhythms that they play and the fact that you know some of the rhythmic stuff he does with his voice that isn't even like singing words and you think james brown his main he's influenced by james brown his style is very much that but then you listen to more of his music and you hear a lot more old school r&b you hear some jazz you hear some latin music and there's a lot of different influences that come into play so to me when i look at josh rosen the biggest influence I see, or the biggest stylistic similarity is Matt Ryan. Um, I think that Rosen has a bigger arm and more more deep accuracy than Matt Ryan. But in terms of you know the drops, in terms of reading the field, in terms of understanding where things are, and the technical precision to be able to execute plays at a wide range of the field and enough underrated athletic ability to get outside the pocket and throw on the move and the toughness to take punishment and still get back up, even though both of them, you know, to me, I've always called Matt Ryan Gumby because he gets bent in directions that I just don't understand how he's like able to, you know, that his ankles are still intact, that his knees are still intact. And he may, there's plays I've watched when they've had those bad offensive lines, like three, four or five years ago. And I thought, that's it, man. He's done. He's like, he, he obviously broke something here and he, he limps off the field and like two plays later, the next series he's running back on. And I'm like, that man is made of rubber. I don't really know how he does that. And I, I don't know if Rosen is that way, but he's, He's tough, and he's got that frame. Yeah, that makes a lot of, of sense. I, the, <laughs> the, the, the rubber part for Rosen concerns me a little bit with the shoulder surgery and the two concussions. But, yeah, Matt Ryan, I don't know. That man looks like he's going to be knocked out once every other week, and he's just yeah. right. He's fine every time. Rosen's decision-making isn't as good as Ryan's because of what we just discussed for uh, in the last segment, but his deep ball is way better than Matt Ryan's. I mean, Matt Ryan, man, if he can, when he can land the ball 40 to 45 yards and stride to a receiver, I'm celebrating, you know, because he, anything over that. And it's like, that's why you need Julio Jones or a Mike Evans or, or a vacuum cleaner who can basically, you know, spill, clean up that mess that that throw was. Um, So when you look at fit, I, I think that, you know, in theory, the Browns should be a good fit. In theory, if you're looking just purely from West Coast offense, decent offensive line, getting better defense, you have two vertical capable receivers in Coleman and Gordon. And Gordon can be, you know, the guy that you just pepper everywhere with targets. You've got Njoku up the middle, and you know how Rosen is very good with the tight end, and Njoku is a mismatch or will grow into a mismatch. Even DeValve is a nice, handy player. So Duke Johnson, I mean, this is a guy that they can spread the field and do a lot of wonderful things in theory. The problem is, is the organizational fit. And they're a mess, you know, you know, all this infighting and 
the, you know, all these, you know, throwing people under the bus and trying to do things without being aligned is a mess. And that could just, that's where I don't want any quarterback going there. And I'm, I grew up a Cleveland Browns fan. So it's like, that's a, I just want them to keep Kaiser and keep their mouth shut and learn how to work together like men and women, as opposed to boys and girls and actually do their job. And then maybe Kaiser could be that better version of Josh Allen, if you ask me. Give him a couple of years because, you know, the Rams didn't, the Rams didn't, um, after they're saying, oh, Jeff Fisher runs a high school offense and this, this coaching staff's a joke, they didn't come in and get rid of Jared Goff. You know, they, they, they after they picked him number one overall, that I mean, and J- Goff, like Kaiser, exhibited qualities that were still there from college, still there in year one. It's just the, the results weren't there. The process was. And so I, I look at that and I say the Browns are good in theory. But to be honest, I mean, I look at other teams and, you know, I don't know. I'd love to hear your suggestions on some guys, on some of the teams that, that, that you think would be good fits, and we can talk about that a little more if you want. Yeah, absolutely. So I agree with you in theory on the Browns, but again, the, the organization concerns from all the points you, you made, but also we talked about kind of the good old boys league, and the Browns seem to be the kind of the picture of that right now there with, with Hugh Jackson and John Dorsey and everything they're doing, and we don't want analytics, we don't want any new age thinking, we don't want any of that stuff going on right now. Josh yeah. Rosen strikes me as a conflict of interest towards that a little bit. My, my Giants thing, or Jets? Yeah, I was going to say the Giants, I think, would be excellent because we just talked about the vertical threats, and Odell Beckham certainly is that. I, I think your point about the way he's a tight end is 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 spot on. I mean, every every game, just it jumps out to you that he can he can use that tight end over the middle of the field like nobody else. And Evan Ingram, you know, they, they lined him a lot up in line and some in the slot, and I think they could really take off as a pairing. And he also has Sterling Shepard. Um, the offensive line needs to improve some, but you know I, I think Rosen to the Giants makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I also trust that organization more. I, I like Pat Shermer. I don't think he's the greatest coach ever, but I, I think it's a solid hire, uh, if unspectacular. And I think Rosen could work well there. I, with, with the Jets, it's hard as a Jets fan. Like I, I would like it, but I also kind of want to admit that it's probably not the perfect fit. Like Austin Safarian Jenkins is he's. He's okay. Like he's nothing special. I really, I really want to see him get a star tight end and be able to use it. Uh, Denver doesn't have that, but they do have the outside weapons for him. So, and I don't think he's going any lower than six. I think six yeah. is his floor. So for me, I I would say Giants would be best case scenario for him from the coaching to the organization to. I would love to actually see him in a New York media too. I know that that could be a challenge for him with the way he likes to to talk, but I also think if it went well it could help progress football some with some new age thinking that's getting headlines that's kind of creating more you know there's not just only one way to do this um this kid's going to speak a lot about his experiences and a lot about what he sees going on and i I think that could be really good for football um so i i would probably pick the giants if i had to pick a team yeah i mean i could see that and i and i i would be concerned about that offensive line for sure you you know and that's a you know when you have a guy like sean o'hara last draft be like you know why didn't they pick an offensive line in this draft you know I, i mean i know this line it's not very good you know it may get better you know let's give it some time maybe these guys will develop but you know I, I wouldn't be concerned about that, but I agree with you. Evan Ingram and Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard is just a, a fantastic combination there. Um, and I think that you could get away with that 
And I think that Rosen is a tough enough guy that he could go through a, a bad year, maybe even a second bad, uh, bad or mediocre year and be all right as long as the, the pressure doesn't cause him to self-destruct. And that's the thing that, again, that's the narrative part that we don't know. And I, I don't think he will, but but I think that you know those are the questions that teams might raise and overanalyze, or may they have a compelling point about. The Jets would be interesting to me, even though they don't have Safarian Jenkins, just because you do have a guy like Robbie Anderson. You have a whole bunch of receivers like Ardarius Stewart, who I think still has promise and is kind of that big slot guy. I'm a huge Ardarius Stewart guy, so you're preaching to the choir right here. Yeah. I mean, to me, he's like – you know, he's a speedster who plays the game like Anquan Bolden on certain in a certain way. You know, <laughs> he is and physical. yeah, and then you have then you have Anunwa who, if he can get healthy, you know, while I've always joked around that he he's had to work really hard to stop catching balls like this. You know, at Nebraska, you know, when he has his hands right, he's he's actually flashed the the type of big playability that you like, and he can kind of be that tweener player as well. So they can do some things there. And I think that I kind of like their head coach. I've always kind of liked their head coach. I know that some people... I'm a fan of Bulls, and I think Bates can... There there are a lot of people that have a lot of faith in Bates around the league. Yeah, yeah. So what this team did surprised me last year, and and I was pleasantly surprised, and 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 it just showed that Bulls was like, Forget this noise. I'm going to keep doing what I need to do. We're going to tweak what we need to tweak, and this is a process. And if I get canned, whatever, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go crazy trying to respond to, you know, management freaking out because business interests are saying something to me or the me. I'm listening to the meat. They're listening to the media a whole bunch, and now he's, you know, he's given me permission to go one direction, but now he's pressuring me to go another. I'm just going to tell him that go ahead and fire me if you don't like what I'm doing or just say, or maybe not say that, but basically mean that went by his silence and then just continue to do his job. And then the results come and suddenly all the suggestions start quieting down or they go into at least being just mutters at, you know, them muttering it, even though they're like, well, we just won the game. You know, we just, we just competed for a playoff spot maybe we should give him another chance even though i don't love everything that he's doing even though they may not know half of what that is so yeah well, you people, know people talk about results much more than process because we don't we don't understand a lot of stuff and even even when you study film there yes. there could be there could be things a lot of things you don't know that are going on the thing that the, there are certain situations that drive me nuts with head coaching like punting on fourth and inches from the 35 yard line like that that kind of thing i can 110 percent evaluate on the coach I, I I do like Bulls. Uh, Robbie Anderson will <laughs> hopefully that yeah. man makes it to the season without getting arrested again because his track record is starting to concern me a little bit. Um, right. when, whenever we talk about a fit for a quarterback, right now it's all speculative. With you know the Jets have a hundred million dollars in cap space, the Browns have a ton of money, the Giants could go go out, out there and get a couple offensive linemen. Uh, Kirk Cousins can go someplace and change everything. So it, it's all speculative right now. But I, I agree with with your thought process there. Um, Matt, I really just want to thank you to come and just share so much knowledge. I mean, I, I love your style of kind of breaking things down and really comparing it to life and making it easy to understand kind of what, what we're seeing and not just talk over people's heads. And so I just, I really want to thank you for coming on. Elliot, I really appreciate it. It's really the only way I know how to do it because this is how I've learned. I mean, I didn't learn as an as a football guy. I didn't learn as, you know, as a player or a, or a coach. So all of this is drawing from other life experiences to learn about the game. 
and and I just try and I just try and break it down in the way that I learned the process. So I, I'm glad that it, it transfers, and I really appreciate you having me on. You made some you had some awesome discussion points for us to be able to 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 chop up, and I look forward to doing it again with you sometime. Yeah, absolutely, man. You got We got to have you back and talk about another player, uh, guys. He's Matt Waldman. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Waldman. He uh, has the rookie scouting portfolio, and he's a must follow on Twitter. Guys, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be discussing Josh Allen on the next podcast.